Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Taking Your Next Step podcast from Collegians for Christ. Through each episode, we will journey together focusing on knowing what you believe and why you believe it. If you are eager, like I am, to strengthen your faith, then take your next step now by joining us in today's episode. So for this year, we've been aiming or looking at knowing what we believe and why we believe it. That will help us to take our next step in our faith and be a better follower of Jesus Christ. I want to come back to this concept of following Jesus. As we look into the book of 1 Peter, we get this command from Peter. Really, if you think about it, Jesus, and we've talked about this a lot on our our podcast, uh, Jesus gives us that invitation to follow him. Now, as we see that multiple times through the gospel records, that is always in intrigued me, which is kind of the idea of us taking our next step. But here in the book of 1 Peter, we understand Jesus invites us to take our next step by following him, but Peter rather commands us or challenges us to take our next step by following in the steps of Jesus. Now, if I was to ask you, who do you look up to? I'm sure you would say someone or multiple people that you have that you look up to that are mentors in your life. Maybe you try to model your life after them. Now, as we look to Scripture, we understand Jesus is the absolute best role model that you and I could have. And so when you think about following in someone's steps, what exactly does that mean? I think it means that we have to allow someone to lead us if we're going to follow them. I think there has to be action if we're following behind them. I think we have to uh, follow directly with them. We can't go out on our own, left or right, or we'll get off off balance, off pace. We'll, we'll get away from them. And so I think this idea of us following in his steps, and you could think about maybe if you live somewhere where it snows a lot, and, and uh, somebody brought this up not too long ago, uh, that as they were a little child, their, their dad would go in the snow and make the footsteps. And so they would be able to walk directly in their father's footsteps so that the snow would uh, not get down on their boots so that they would be able to, to walk because the snow was so high. And so that's the idea that Jesus is going before us. He is creating the steps and he is inviting us to follow after him, to take our next step, to be more like him. And Peter here in our passage, I'm going to read just a few verses here to you. Uh, he says this, for even here unto were you called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. So there is Jesus being our role model, our, our perfect example to follow after. And Peter says, look, you should follow his steps. And then it begins to explain how we can do this practically speaking, who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. So if you and I are going to follow his steps, let me give you just a few ways, practically speaking, in our lives that we can follow in his steps. And the first one is in consciousness of sin. Here it talks about Jesus, and I think we have to be very, very careful not to separate the humanity and the deity of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we elevate the deity to the neglect of humanity. We have to remember he was just as much human as he was God. And so Jesus lived just as a just as much of a human life that you and I do, yet the Bible says he was without sin. So we can never lose his humanity to his deity, and that should help us. We read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15, uh, about uh, this him being tempted. It says, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So as you think about all that you face in life, there is nothing Absolutely nothing that you experience, that you face, that you're you face, that you're tried with, that you are tempted with, that Jesus did not. 
experience. And the Bible says, yet without sin. I understand we can't achieve sinless perfection, but you and I need to follow in his steps in consciousness of sin. So our responsibility with that is we cannot get comfortable with sin in our lives. We cannot make excuses for sin. And sometimes we do that as believers. Well, I've tried. This is my one struggle. This is maybe you've heard this said, my besetting sin. Oh, well, I've tried. You know, I'm going to do good in other places, but We can't make excuses. We are to follow in his steps. And if we're going to do that, that is to try to work towards being just like him, which is what yet without sin. Now, we understand as we sin, we can confess our sin and God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is such a huge promise that we find there in Scripture. But I think sometimes as Christians, sometimes we can minimize sin in our lives. And what I mean by that is we look out into the world. We say, well, I'm not in jail. I'm not committing murder. I'm not committing these crimes. And so there's not really sin in my life. Now, that's a very dangerous place to be. And that's why Peter's saying you need to follow in his steps in consciousness of sin to realize no matter how good you may think you are, you still have sin. And that's a dangerous place because sometimes as Christians, we, we look and say, well, I don't really have anything to confess. But what about your heart? What about your mind? How you treated others? Did you fully fulfill the Great Commission like you should have this week? Have you treated others with the sacrificial love that Jesus did to others as we follow his steps? You see, we are to imitate, we're to mimic, we're to be just like him, to to follow after him. And so we have to be very careful uh, that we do that in consciousness of our sin. But knowing as you and I sin, we have an advocate with the Father. He is willing to forgive us of our sins, but we still need to aim at sinless perfection. So we can't get comfortable with sin in our lives. And then secondly, in this, in consciousness of our mouth, it's interesting what he says here, neither was guile found in his mouth there in uh, uh, verse number 22. Now, guile means deceit. It means fraud. It means a lie. So Jesus, if you think about this, um, and sometimes we, we lose his humanity, but Jesus was a carpenter. That means Jesus engaged in business dealings. Jesus provided a service or a product to people that was sold, that they used in their home. And so Jesus was a businessman. And so in order to do that, he had business dealings. He had uh, interactions with people. And how did he do that? He gave them a quality product or a quality service. He was honest in all his dealings. He did not try to pass off a broken down table or a broken chair, try to just mend it. No, he was honest in his dealings socially, within business, within friends, within the community. And can I say this? Many times the world, and when I say the world, I'm careful not to stereotype everybody, but there is a certain aspect of the world that is is trying to uh, trip you up. They're trying to find you uh, a mistake in how you treat or how you act or how you react. Let me just give you a couple verses here. In Luke chapter 11, 53 through 54, it says this, And he said these things unto them, as he said these things unto them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently and to provoke him to speak many things, laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth. Watch this, that they might accuse him. Then Matthew twenty-two fifteen, 15, a totally different situation. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might, watch this, entangle him in his talk. Now, it's sad that there are certain people in the world that want to entangle you in your talk. 
They want to try to provoke you in the workplace, in the family, uh, in the community, maybe sports with your kids, whatever it is, maybe in class, maybe as a professor. And their purpose is to entangle you or to, to get you to pop off at the mouth, to get you to get angry at them. Why is that? Why, why would the world want to do this? Because they uh, can label you, if you will, as a Christian that acts like this. And I think so many times one of the greatest deterrents that I've experienced over the years with young people or people of all ages really kind of being skeptical of the church or kind of uh, backing off from it is hypocrisy. They say, well, they say they're a Christian, but they live their lives like this. Now, we understand that Christians are not perfect. We have sin in our lives. And I think we need to be very transparent about that and not try to act like we're perfect and better than everybody else. And I think as we are transparent uh, with the hardships, the temptations, the sin, the that we have in our life, then people see us as real. Sometimes we try to live in that Christian bubble and we try to paint like everything's okay. I think we need to be real with the world because they're looking back at us. And so some are, yeah, they're trying to trip you up. Others are looking back genuinely. They're looking at you. You may be, and maybe this may be a little cliche, but you've heard it, but it's just so true. You may be the only Bible someone ever reads. You may be the only thing between them and Christ. Why? Because you're following in the steps of Christ. You're taking your next step each and every day to be a better follower of him. And that's, that's what we want to do. But in doing that, people are watching our lives. And so it's our responsibility to watch our mouths, to be conscious of our mouth. And that's what Peter is, is commit, uh, challenging us or really commanding us here with. So regardless of what someone has done to us, we are not to retaliate. And that brings us into our third part here. So we need to be con- we need to be very conscious of sin in our life. If we're going to follow in his steps, we need to be very conscious of our mouth because there was no guile, no deceit found in his mouth. And watch this in verse 23, who, when he, Jesus, was reviled, what did he do? He reviled not again. When he suffered, guess what? He threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. And so we need to be conscious of our retaliation. So Jesus is our example, and we should follow his steps in consciousness of our retaliation. Now, when you're wronged, what is the first thing that comes to, to mind or you want to do? Typically, instinct is I want to get back at them. And if we're just being honest, to get back at them one better. But think about how people treated Jesus here. Reviled there means that he was charged with a fault with severe language. It means treated with harsh language. So this is not you're just reviled. I mean, this is somebody coming off on you, tearing down your character, beating you up verbally, abusing you really verbally. And then it said suffer. That means to be treated with evil. And so here's Jesus being treated like that. And how does he respond? Notice he does not retaliate. Now, I want to make sure I'm clear, as Christians, we are not to be a doormat. We are not to let people walk all over top of us. You and I are to stand just as Jesus did for truth, for righteousness, for justice. But we are not to retaliate. Sometimes we get the teachings of uh, the Sermon on the Mount where we're supposed to allow them to, if they, they hit you, turn the cheek the other way. If they want your coat, give them the coat. If they want to go a mile, go two miles with them. There's an there's a art or a truth there of service and of sacrifice. But you and I are not to be a doormat. We're to stand up for truth. Somebody has to. Jesus did. And you saw how he was with the Pharisees, which is why they're so uh, trying to trap him and trip him up in his words. But Jesus never retaliated. How did he do that? That verse tells us the secret there. Because he committeth himself to him that judgeth righteously. Think about that just for a moment. 
Jesus committed himself to the righteous judge who promised to take care of evil. Romans tells us that uh, God promises us that he is going to take care. Sometimes we wonder, well, God, they didn't get punished for their evil. They got away with that, and I want to retaliate. I want to get revenge. Uh, but that's not the case at all. God has promised. Romans chapter 18 tells us, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. That's our, that's our goal. But unfortunately, people don't want to live peaceably with us. But watch this. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Do you understand that there's going to be no evil that is overlooked, that the righteous judge is going to take care of that? Nobody's going to get away with anything that they've done to you. And so as you want to retaliate, you have to stop and release that, just as Jesus did. If anybody had a right to retaliate, to say something back, to strike people back, it was Jesus. But he's committed himself unto the righteous judge, knowing, okay, God, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm going to stand up for truth. I'm not going to let people walk all over top of me, but I'm not going to retaliate. And then it brings us lastly here in our passage to the consciousness of our sacrifice to others. So Jesus is our example, and we should follow his steps. And lastly, consciousness of our sacrifice to others. Back in 1 Peter, he tells us there at the bottom of the verse, a uh, beautiful uh, kind of picture, if you will, of what Jesus has done for us and how personal it is. He says here, uh, who his own self bear our sins in his own body. Notice how personal it is. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. And so notice our example here is Jesus. And when you think about sacrifice, how would you define that? Well, when we think about sacrifice, it's giving of oneself for another, but there has to be some loss. And that's kind of the key part of sacrifice. Jesus gave himself, but the loss was his own body, his own soul, his own self. He gave himself for us. He, he lost his life for you and I. He sacrificed his life for you and I. So it means to devote with some type of loss, to, to surrender or a loss made for the gaining of something or someone else. And that's the example that Jesus gave us. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's the ultimate sacrifice. And so what is our responsibility with that? We should live looking for what we can do for someone else rather than what they can do for us. It's that outward look. That is what sacrifice to others means. And so if we're going to follow in his steps, we're going to have to follow in his steps in consciousness of sin, understanding that we're sinners and that we need to work at ourselves and we can't just write it off. We can't just say, oh, that's my, my besetting sin. If we're going to follow in his steps, we need to do that in consciousness of our mouth. We need to watch what we say, how we react to people, how we talk to people, because what we say and how we act uh, is a display of Jesus to others. And you and I could be the difference of someone coming to or rejecting Jesus Christ. You see, he's our great example. We're to follow in his steps in consciousness of retaliation. We can't retaliate. We can't get back at people. A vengeance is the Lord's. And then we need to be conscious of our sacrifice to others. That is really when you think about how to follow after Jesus, his mission was for everyone else. He took care of himself. He enjoyed life. Uh, but his mission on this earth was to be a sacrifice. That's why he came. And as you and I follow in his steps, this can be hard. 
Because with sacrifice, there has to be some loss, whether it be a loss of time, whether it be a loss of ourselves, whether it be some type of loss, financial loss, something. When we sacrifice for another, we're, we're giving maybe out of our bank account that's going to maybe not allow us to have as much as we could for the benefit of another. We're going to sacrifice our time our talent maybe that we could have used over here for the benefit of ourselves, we're going to sacrifice that, and our time and talent is going to go over here for the benefit of another, benefit of a church, benefit of a ministry. Why do we do that? Because we follow his steps. So think about this past week. What issues have you, what issues have you had with sin? What sin have you been sweeping under the rug? What issues you, have you had with your mouth and how you're interacting with people at the workplace, in class, and most importantly at home? Husband, wife, siblings, mom, dad. What issues have you had with anger and retaliation? And what have you done in sacrifice for another this past week? So kind of the application here is, what do you need to do to follow in his steps? As far as sin, your mouth, anger, retaliation, and sacrifice for another. Take the moment and write it down. Think about it, meditate on it, and then intentionally work at doing that or fixing that or exhibiting that this coming week. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please share it with a friend or subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can connect with Collegians for Christ online for more information and resources at cfccampusministry.com.